We've been in this Revival Family series because I've been just wanting to discuss what's important about our church and what, what makes us who we are and what we are. And, and I just prayed it a moment ago, but, but knowing God or, or knowing Jesus is the most important thing. And so when we started this thing, and as this thing has progressed, this is a church that's built around the presence of God, okay? Not, not a personality, not, not a personality, not, not, and I know I have a personality, but not, it's not a built around me, it's not built around my wife, it's not built around any associates or the worship leaders. It's, it should be built around the presence of Christ Jesus, okay? And John 17, 3, Jesus said, this is eternal life, to know God. And not just know head facts about Him and knowledge about Him, but to know Him deeply, personally, and intimately. And, and we've been there, like, I, I could... We, we could come into this space and we could give you a bunch of facts. I could spend hours and hours researching, trying to impress you with head knowledge. But that will only take you so far, right? That will only take you so far. But if you come into a face-to-face encounter with Christ Jesus and begin to know him, gnoso is what the word is. But if you begin to know him, know him, it'll change your life forever. And so we're more interested in life transformation than we are Jeopardy facts in this place, okay? Jeopardy facts only impress so far, right? And most people aren't even impressed by them. Like, you've been around someone that's spouted off a lot of facts. You're like, okay, I just wish they would shut up and get to the point, right? Well, I think that's the way a lot of people are about the church and Jesus because we try to tell them a bunch of stuff about Jesus, but we never introduce them to the person of Jesus. And the person is what changes. It's not the facts about the person. It's the person that brokers forth transformation. And so I believe this that one of the biggest uh, things that's went amok in the American church in general is that, is that we have ran into this idea that we say, we say stuff like this and we mean well, but we say, come to my church because of the preacher or come to my church because of the music's good or come to my church because we have an evangelist here today rather than saying, come to my church because Christ Jesus is actually here. And my prayer is that when you say, come to River City or come be part of our prayer rooms, come be part of whatever, it's because the presence of God is here. That's what you're saying. It's like, what makes us different? It's, it's not that we have wood on the walls. It's not that we have black on the walls. It's not that we have Edison light bulbs. What makes us different is that we're doing the best that we possibly can to host the presence of Jesus in our day-to-day lives. And when we come into this space, it's free because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? And so we introduce them into this atmosphere, which is, it's not even an atmosphere, it's the person of Christ Jesus. And so I felt led this morning just to reintroduce us to Jesus. <laughs> Sounds silly. I'm going to share a message about Jesus to a bunch of saved people. <laughs> it just sounds funny to me, but it, it, it's so needed. It's so, so needed. Because I, I want to really what I'm talking about is when we talk about hosting the presence of God, like I want to talk about to you about who we host, like who we're introducing people to who we're gathering around. 
like, you know, growing up, we'd gather around a campfire, right? And some of y'all still do that stuff. And you gather around a campfire. Well, what's the fire or who is the fire that we're gathering around now? Like, that's what we want to talk about because this is really important. Because, again, we're not coming into this space to, like, come here because this, this, and this. We're coming here because he's here. It's like, why, why in the world would people come three or four times a week up into this space to, to pray when it takes 30 to 45 minutes for most of y'all to drive here? It's, 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 I know y'all love each other. You probably don't love each other that much to come like that much here. You come because he's here. You probably do actually love each other that much. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whomever believes in him shall not perish, but shall inherit eternal life. For God so loved the world. I'm going to read the Passion translation of this verse. I really like that too. For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique Son as a gift. He gave his one and only unique Son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. He gave Jesus as a gift. It's like, what's the, what's the greatest gift you could ever receive? It's, it's the person of Jesus. It's, it's not the greatest gift. I mean, there's lots of things I'm thankful for, but the greatest gift I have is him, that the Lord gave him to me, that the Lord gave him to you. That's my greatest gift in life. And when something is valuable, you cherish it. And when something is valuable, you attribute a lot of value to it. And you rearrange your life around what's actually important to you. That's what's going on in this space is, is, is we're not huge by any means, but, but, but it's huge what the Lord is doing in the spirit because we have a bunch of people that's rearranging their entire life around what God is doing in our midst. And that is what is so, so important. And so for God so loved, and, and that word, you guys know a lot of this, but I just, again, I just want to reintroduce this to him. But God so loved, the word loved, it's agape. It means to, to show love, to demonstrate love, and it means to show love not based on efforts, not based on what you do, but to show love based on regarded worth. And so he gave his son because he thought you each had worth and value, right? So he, he, he thought you had worth and value and destiny and potential. The cheesy thing I say all the time is, is that we're not going to spend money on stuff that makes no sense to spend money. You're not going to invest your money in something where you know you're going to accrue losses. You're going to invest in something that you believe that you're going to get a return for your investment. It's like, what's the highest ROI? Because that's where I want to put my resources and funds into Jesus said the highest ROI potential that I have is giving my life for these people right here and right now because I believe that if they can begin to understand who they are in me, I'm going to receive the greatest reward because the joy set before him caused him to endure the cross. What was the joy? It was us. And it, and it wasn't just us. It was us fully realizing who we are in him. It was us realizing how valuable and put, how much potential we have in him. We know what the Bible says, right? That, that nothing is impossible for God and all things are possible for him who believes. Now, if a believer starts to believe that everything is possible for us because we believe, that is the potential of heaven living inside of us. That is the revelation of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And when he died for you, when he died for you, he's like, I'm going to die for those people. They're not going to give me anything in return. Now, he died, obviously. Many haven't given him anything. 
anything in return. He still died for them. They're just not going to live under the covenantal blessings and not going to be able to spend eternity with Him because there is a heaven and hell. But I promise He died for every single person on this planet. So he thought you had value, so he sent a son. Listen to me. This is what we told kids at teen camp. You know, going to camp when you're a teenager isn't going to save you. Coming to church four to five times a week isn't going to save you. Or going to church twice a week on, on Wednesday nights for an hour and on Sunday mornings for an hour and putting money in a bucket and saying amen, hallelujah, when you've been conditioned to say amen and hallelujah, that will not save you. What will save you is Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone. And by the way, there's only one way to the Father. Do not be deceived what, what you see on online today. Islam is a false religion. Hinduism is a false religion. All these other things are false. There's only one way to heaven and that is through Christ. Being a good person doesn't get you saved. Oh, There's lots of really good people that do lots of really good things. Right? There's lots of people that give lots of money to help people. That will not save them. Doing, doing good doesn't save. Uh, uh, just all, The only thing that does is Jesus. And what's mind-boggling to me is this bridegroom king wants us. Like, His desire is for us. His desire is that we live fully alive. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and life abundantly. Jesus' desire for you is to live fully alive. And actually, <laughs> I won't go into that part. But, but, but to be fully alive, I really believe... It is, and actually, it was, it was, it was. Oh goodness, I'm gonna, I'm miss, gonna miss. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. But they asked what the most important thing about being a follower of Jesus is, and this council came together, and it says, it says that the, or I'm sorry, the purpose of man is to be fully alive and to enjoy God always. So not only does He want you to be fully alive, but being fully alive is actually enjoying Him all the days of your life. And I can enjoy Him whether or not that life is going to hell in a handbasket or not. All right? I'm going to have to remember what that. That's going to bother me. <laughs> Before cell phone days, my mom and I would call each other and ask each other questions for random information because I would be good at Jeopardy because I know lots of just stupid, useless stuff. Be like, hey, what's this? And she'd tell me, and I'd be able to sleep. But <laughs> some of you know what I'm talking about. But he wants you, and he wants you to know that you're worth it. He's after you because he loves you, and he shed his blood for you. And, and, and listen, before you were ever born, I was thinking about this, this just the other day. I was thinking about wonder coming in two and a half months approximately. And before... Before she was even conceived, the Lord knew her. Before any of you all were conceived, before you were all a thought in your mom and dad's minds, He knew you. You're more than an oops. 
You're more than an oops. He knew you and knew it's, it's the word that gnosis. It means deeply, personally, and intimately that he knows you. And so you were born in intimacy. I'm not talking about between your parents. You were conceived in intimacy. And then because of the fall of man, we're separated from that intimacy. And Jesus came to restore that intimacy from which you were birthed in in the first place. Mind-boggling to me. He came to when and when the Bible says he came to seek and save. We we say those who were lost is what the NIV says. That's a terrible translation. He came to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? That intimacy with him. That's what he came to restore. Jeremiah one five. This is the verse that points that out. Before I. Formed you. By the way, when you're in the womb, he forms you. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I know there's all kinds of uh, genetics and all kinds of biology that goes into it, but the Lord's hands are in there right now forming my little girl. The Lord's hands are in there 15 years ago forming my son. Just I'm going to make him like this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I, I consecrated you. And I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. So he's saying, I've consecrated you, meaning that before, before you were born, before you were born, I knew you deeply, personally, and intimately, and I consecrated. The word consecrated means I set aside for my purposes. Or if we consecrate ourselves, Joshua 3, 5, consecrate yourselves, for the Lord your God will do something amazing among you tomorrow. It, it's, it's the idea of setting aside because it's something special and important. The Lord thought you had so much worth and value that he knew you before you were born and he said I'm setting them aside for this purpose Amen. what purpose is that I don't know for everyone it's different and let me let me no, well, let me rephrase that for everyone we have the exact same purpose our purpose is to shine forth the glory of God. That's everyone's purpose. It doesn't matter if you're a housewife. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter if you're a nurse. Your purpose on the earth is to bring forth glory to the Lord. All right? Now, your calling is something totally different because your call is what you do to make sure that comes to fruition. But our purpose is all the same. And people say, I don't know my purpose. I don't know my purpose. Like, that's just silliness that's come from, like, Oprah Eyes television, where it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Whatever you do, do it as if you're doing it unto the Lord and give him honor and glory in that. All right? And when Jesus shows up, things change. We know this. We know this. That's why we've experienced signs, wonders, and miracles. It's, it's not because of hocus pocus. It's not because I have some gift. It's, it's not because of whatever. It's because when he's here, things happen. When he shows up, it's measurable. When he shows up, it's tangible. <laughs> things shift. Things change. Sicknesses are healed. Lives are saved. And people are set free when they come into the presence of the Lord. And again, that's what we're trying to build this thing around is the presence of God. Listen, I don't want to give my life to preaching cute little sermonettes that don't bring transformation. 
right? I don't want to give a bunch of acronyms and, and like I'm fine with acronyms and, or whatever and, and whatever. If, uh, we spelled out hope, honor our presence encounter. I mean, it just did off the top of my head. Like we could do that, all kinds of stuff like that and come up with cutesy type. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> but, but, but we could come up with all kinds of stuff like that and, and be as catchy and pithy as we want and not bring forth transformation if the presence of Jesus is not here. And, and not only is he here, we want him to be in your homes as well. The exact same things we experience here, I want you all to experience at home. Now, when we talk about salvation, salvation isn't just an act. And like, I got saved. I understand that's the way we do our language. Salvation, when we describe it, you know, the day I got my salvation, what you're really saying is the day I met a person. Because salvation is more than just an act. Salvation is a person. And salvation is Jesus. John 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, <laughs> he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Let me tell you what, we, we, don't, have a, we don't have a darkness problem on the earth. We have an absence of light problem on the earth. And so when things get worse, do we keep saying, oh, it's getting really, really bad out there? Or are we just like, is he just waiting for us to shine our light? Isaiah 60, right? Arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is among you. Listen, Jesus has always been from the beginning. That's what John was writing in his gospel. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they give a historical account of Jesus. It, it, it's, it's what they're called the synoptic gospels. They, 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 there was a synopsis of Jesus' life. There's debate. There's debate when the gospel of John was written. I think probably most historical accounts, the ones I agree with, whether you not do or not, doesn't matter to me. This is what I think. But they think John wrote the gospel of John 40 years after Jesus died. Now about this time was going on, the church was exploding and John the beloved was seeing things in the church. And again, I, I don't think I'm reading too much in this because I think I can look at first, second, third John in the book of Revelation and, and, and prove this to you. But 40 years after Jesus died and rose to heaven, John's seeing things going. The church is beginning to explode. But then there's some weirdness that gets crept in. There's some religion that creeps in. And John, instead of writing a historical account, writes a book that's really a love letter to him. See, it's funny to me. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all begin, and love Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke all begin with a genealogy. How many of y'all skipped the genealogy? <laughs> right? John didn't even do that. He gives a different genealogy. He says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. That was John's genealogy. That's a deep, personal, intimate thing. He's saying, when the Lord said, let there be light, when, and when he spoke that Word, he's saying that Word that was spoken was Jesus. And so, so he's always been, he always will be, and everything holds together because of him. Amen. That's who salvation is. And all life comes from him. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, Jesus, he was the one. Huh. 
Jesus was the one that, again, that was released when God said, let there be light. Jesus was the one that Jacob wrestled with. I'm convinced of that. When he touched him in the hip and he walked with the lamp all the rest of his life. Jesus was the fourth man that was in the fire walking around when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was walking around in the fire and the king saw four people in there. It was Christ Jesus that was walking through that fire, right? He is the one that actually shut the mouths of lions, I believe this, that in the book of Daniel. He, he's the one that has always, always been. He's the one that is so compelling that when he's walking around the road, he's walking around the road and walking walking around Jerusalem, and he's like, hey, y'all's a bunch of fishermen, right? Yeah. Hey, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He's so compelling. He's so compelling that men that really lived in a generational mindset where their fathers and their fathers' fathers and their fathers' fathers and their family business, he's so compelling that men left their family businesses like, all right, we're going to follow you. Like, that's who Jesus is. Hmm. So, salvation's a person. And I also love this. He, he loves us enough. We shared this part of teen camp. Like, he loves you enough to kill the sin that's in your life. It's no secret, I, I started, two weeks ago, I started working early mornings at Amazon, and one of the things they told me was this, that they, they, call, they, they call their employees Amazonians, <laughs> okay? And they're, and it's just silly. And they said, we're so glad you're an Amazonian. They told me this, like, I'm sitting there working, process. He said, we're so glad you're an Amazonian. And I, I smiled and nod and did my thing, and I thought, I'm here but I'm not an Amazonian. A lot of people pray the prayer to go to heaven. Or a lot of people are sitting in our churches that haven't fully became a Christian and haven't allowed him to kill the sin that's in their life. They haven't identified with who they are in him. And I'm like, I'm bullheaded enough. I'm like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ever going to be an Amazonian. I'm, just, I'm there getting the paycheck, dude. That's it. But some of us are so bullheaded that we won't allow them to kill the sin that's in our life either. But the thing is, we just sang that song at the very end that, you know, you're free, you're free forever, amen. But it's who the Son makes free is free indeed. And, and it's not, in like some translations say sets free, but it's, it's more than set. It's actually make. It's a creative act, which, which means that he took something that was in bondage and he took something that was relating to the endemic nature, really, and he's like, okay. And he makes it brand new so that this new thing that he made is now free. Like, listen, everything in society and culture teaches you that you, like, 10 new ways to be a better you, right? Even at like the gas station, I saw like the Us Weekly magazine, like five ways to be a better you or whatever. You see stuff like this all the time. That's not what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to make an improved version of you. 
He came to kill you and so that you could be raised up with him again and you're made into a new new creature, a new creation, if you will. He's not interested in improving your life. That's not what he's interested in. He's interested in you becoming a brand new creature so that you can shine forth his excellencies here on the earth. And so, so if you're in here struggling, the person of salvation desires to set people free. Bob is a call to healing and deliverance. It's, it's like freedom ministry. It's a ministry. It's, it's, it's Jesus came so you didn't have to struggle with sin. What does that look like? It means that if you're struggling with porn, he wants to set you free. If you're struggling with drugs or alcohol, he wants to set you free. Your law in life is not to constantly struggle and go back to the coping mechanism that you go back to. But if you go back to the coping mechanism, there's grace. We understand that. But he paid too high of a price for us to wrestle with value and worth and sin all the days of our life. We believe in the church in Nazareth. You be filled and sanctified with the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to do that so you didn't have to wrestle anymore, man. And the earth, what the earth is looking for in Romans 8 when it says that they're crying out for the sons of God to be made manifest or for real Christians to be made known. They're not looking for people that's wrestling with a bunch of junk. They're looking for people that's been set free by Jesus that lives differently than everyone else. His torture and death were terrible. Isaiah 53, 5, one of my favorite verses, says that he was pierced through for our transgressions. Pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening fell, or the chastening for our well-being fell upon, fell upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Spirit, soul, and body healed. That's what it means. But listen what he did. Like, and this isn't, and, and like this part's like an, an Easter story, but it's more than an Easter story. Like again, this is the person that we're gathering around. This is what we're talking about today. We're not gathering around like I love baby Jesus, right? <laughs> Thinking of Talladega Nights right now when, when he's praying. Like, we're not gathering around baby Jesus right now. We're gathering around a man that's sitting on a throne. Okay. Amen. <laughs> Dear six pound, no. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. Listen, we're gathering around a man. We're gathering around a man who's, he was fully God and fully man. And actually, Philippians says that he, he threw everything aside and came to earth. He emptied himself of his power and he lived on earth. And so everything he did, he, he was fully God, but everything he did for you, he did as fully man. Amen. So he didn't use his super Jesus powers when he died on the cross for you. He died as me and you. That's right. All right? So, so, his, so this man that we gathered around, his best friends denied him. These men that had lived with him in covenant relationship for three years, the, like he, he gets arrested and they're like, deuces, we're out, you know, like they're... Like, we don't want anything to do with this. That was really bad. But, 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 but they're like, we're out. They denied him. Peter has actually denied him. The one that he said, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Like, he denied him three times. And then they take Jesus and they put a, mock him because he's the king of the Jews. And they put a crown of thorns on his head. And they didn't just, well, they weren't just like this, like you would do with your daughter and put a TR on where you're kind of like, Cram that thing down. 
blood starts coming down. And then they put a, put a purple robe on him to, to make fun because purple's the color of royalty. Terry Wright's wearing purple today. He's royalty. But, 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 but they put this purple robe on him to mock him and said, if you really are king, prove it, right? If you really are in charge, prove it. And so they, so they start doing all these things to him. And then they, they whipped him. When it says that they give him the beating and the lashes, like the whip wasn't just a whip. The whip basically had rocks and stones on the end of it. And so every time they would whip him and pull that thing back, it would yank out the flesh of his back. Like this isn't just like, like if you get a whooping as a kid. That's not what they did. Like they whipped him and every time they pulled back, it would yank out flesh. And so so they do, and I know this is this is like gross but it's just it's what happened to him it's true it's the truth and the truth is what makes you free by the way and then then after he was whipped and beaten then he was told to carry the cross up to the hill and I was thinking about this uh, uh, back in June but he had to carry a cross on his back that was essentially no longer there because it had been whipped and bloodied and everything and so there's exposed bones exposed vertebrae and he's carrying this cross on his back for you and I They tried to give him myrrh to numb his pain. And he refused. Like, I've been sore the last few weeks, and like, I'm loving me some ibuprofen, right? And he's like, no, no, no. I refuse to take that. Because in order for me to really accomplish what I need to accomplish, I need to feel it. And so he... He carries this thing on his back where there's no flesh. And they try to make him, like, they try to load him up with their, their equivalency of, of Vicodin or whatever or, or morphine. And, and, and he says, I don't, I don't need that. I want to feel this. I want to feel this. And then they nailed him to a cross like an ordinary common criminal. And he hung there. Like this is who we're gathered around. Like, I love the freedom we experience, but I don't want you to forget the person that we're here for. Because it's like, when you think about this, when you really think about everything He did, and if you turn it into more than an Easter story, because it's more than an Easter story, when you view it more than that, how could we not rearrange our whole life around that? How could we not? It's not even obligation. It's just like, oh, okay, okay, I will, I will, right? And then after he died, after he died, he was put into the grave. You guys know this, but he was put in the grave. And, and while he was in the grave, he wasn't doing nothing. He wasn't like, you know, what am I doing? He wasn't doing that. He was actually harrowing hell. He was actually, this is what's, I love that phrase. He was actually preaching the good news to all those who had died in Abraham. Abraham. And so Abraham and, and Mo, all these guys, he's preaching himself to these guys because it's like, how do these guys all go to heaven because Jesus hadn't died yet? It happens right here. And so he goes and he preaches himself to them. And then he goes up to the devil and is like, by the way, I just threw a revival service. But now oh, those keys, those don't belong to you. 
I'm going to take the keys back to the kingdom. And now, whatever these people bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And when all these people loosen on earth will have already been loosened, will have already been loosened in heaven. Right? And that's why in Revelation, oh goodness, that's why in Revelation, I think it's Revelation chapter 19, that he took the, I'm sorry, it's not Revelation 19. That's Revelation 19 is, is that the bride is making herself beautiful. But in the book of Revelation, He says this, I have taken the keys of death and hell back. So he wasn't inactive when he was in the grave. He was actually accomplishing very much that we get to live into right here and right now. And so so then Colossians 2 says this, that he stripped the enemy of his power and he paraded him around the cosmos as a loser. And so he chained the enemy up and he parades him around. And I just imagine him parading him around the cosmos or hell and says, I won, I won, I won. I won. Like, and I, th- I don't think it was braggadocious. I think he was just showing, look, he's lost. He's been defeated. Let's no longer live like he's still winning. See, the problem is, again, with the American church is that we think the devil is the Lord's equal. He's not. He's already been lost. And so it's like, why is so much stuff going on? I think it's because we tolerate it. And if we quit tolerating it and realize that Jesus has already won and he paraded him, it actually means he stripped them naked like, like they would do in the 1700s, 1800s. They would strip people naked, they would tar and feather them and parade them around and make a public, public spectacle out of them. Jesus parades him around naked and shows and really just demeans him and says, I beat you. That's who we're gathered around. We're gathered around a man that won. Now imagine him in the grave, shows up in hell, and the devil's like, what are you doing here? You gave everything up. You already laid all your power aside. You're fully God and fully man, but you accomplished this as a man. Jesus, give me them keys. That's who we're gathered around. It's just beautiful. In this part, like he's still on the throne with those holes in his hands and his feet. Because when he rose from the grave and he shows up and knocks on the boys' door and they didn't answer, so then he walks through a wall, right? But he shows Thomas, he says, Thomas, just touch. But right now he's sitting on the throne of heaven next to the Father, praying for us, rooting for us. And he's wearing a robe that reaches to his feet because he's king and he's a priest. He's in charge, he's ruling and reigning, but he's ministering and praying and interceding. He's fulfilling both of those duties right here and right now. He's also, he also has that golden sash that's across his chest. This is all Revelation chapter 2, by the way. But he's, 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 has this, he has this golden sash that goes across his chest that, that, that's a symbol of righteousness, meaning that there was no sin in him, nor was 
will there ever be any sin in him, all right? Jesus had, uh, and this will mess with you, I, but on, he chose not to sin because he laid everything aside. He very well could have, but he did not because he's the spotless lamb of God, right? His hair is right now is white like wool and white as snow. And, 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 and so, so this, that picture that's in every church in the United States of America where he's turned sideways, that's before he was sitting on the throne, right? Because right now his hair is blazing, blazing white. And it's white because he's the ancient of days, because he's been around since the beginning of time, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's also spotless and pure and without sin or wrinkle or blemish. That's who is, that is who Jesus is. My favorite one, we sing this one a lot. Right now his eyes are burning like fire. And they burn with fire because he has fiery devotion for each and every one of you. Because he's, his heart burns for you. That's why Song of Songs says that with one glance of your eyes, with one piece of your necklace, you have ravished my heart. And so he's looking for a bride that looks at him the same way that he looks at us. His, his feet are in burnished bronze, which, which again, it means he can't be moved. Talked about that before. But it's also a prophetic picture of his righteousness, or I'm sorry, a prophetic picture of his wrath and his judgment. And there will be a day of judgment. Let's just call it for what it is. We probably haven't heard much about that, but there will be judgment. But judgment is aimed at anything that gets in the way of us loving God. Hmm. His voice is like the sound of Rushing waters. What does that sound like? I love that, by the way. John gets this revelation of what Jesus looks like and, and sees him in the third heaven. And he can't even really understand what his voice is. And he, he can't even articulate. And he's like, if I could equate it to anything, it sounds like many rushing waters. Which means that when he speaks, it just it comes. How many of you seen flash floods before, right? Those, when those things come, they just sweep everything away. And when he speaks his word, it washes and sweeps everything away, right? And then there's that two-edged sword that comes out of his mouth. I've said this before, but two-edged sword, it means it's a devouring monster. But it's a picture of what was written in Hebrews that, 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 that the word of the Lord is sharp and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Anything that it comes and touches, it, it utterly destroys and shapes and rearranges. And his face, it shines like the sun. That's why, that's why even on this picture here, there's that circle around Jesus' head and a lot of like old Catholic pictures and stuff because it's showing the light, the holiness that comes from him. He's not, listen, he's, he's not just some, I don't know, I don't even have to explain it. He's not some old decrepit dude that's barely getting by. That's right. <laughs> light keeps coming forth from him. I love John's response in Revelation 2.17. John responded to this. And he says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. I love this, by the way. We've had people go down and out. and Some people get creeped out, weirded out by it. 
I just think that's just what happens when Jesus is really present. It doesn't happen all the time, but that's what happened to John. He felt like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me saying, Do not be afraid. I'm the first and I'm the last. The living one, I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And here's that. And I have the keys of death and the Hades. And so here's this Jesus that really would be very intimidating to even gaze upon. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of me. This is who we're gathered around. Again, I I just want to show you who he is. I just want to show you who he is because, like, this this is great. My, my, my favorite place in the world is to be standing in the caddy corner right there. Like, and, and, and forever I stood over there, I like this side better. I don't know why. <laughs> I, it's cooler over there because of the AC. <laughs> but I think it's more anointed here. Just saying. But anyway, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I'm just messing with you, Tatum. I got your table <laughs> I love that. But... That's great, but that isn't that without him. Amen. Okay? That isn't that without him because we're, we're gathered around the person. Yeah. I don't come to church. I gather around the presence of God. Yeah. I come to church to gather around the presence of God. Here's a question I ask the teenagers at camp. It's, not, it's, it's both are, I think this language is correct. Like, are you saved? Like, I, I, I think that's, a, that's good language. But I prefer the phrase born again. Because I can be saved and stay in the same condition. But I can't be born again and stay in the same condition. And so how do you know if you're born again? I think there's two questions we can ask ourselves. One, am I free? Am I free? Now, I know you're going to have struggles and then we're going to have wrestles, but who the Son makes free is free indeed. Okay? And so if you've fallen to start wrestling with some things, anger, lust, greed, jealousy, insecurities, doubts, like Jesus wants to come. I say come. That's who we're gathered around because where two or more are gathered, he's there in their midst, which is actually, if, if I was holding hands with Bob like this, where two or more are gathered, he'll be there in our midst. We're in agreement. It actually means that he's right here. That's what that verse means. And so we're, he's here. We're gathered literally around him. All right? So, so it's not even asking him to come. It's just asking him to do what he wants to do anyway. So if you're wrestling and struggling, he can come and he can set you free. And the other question I believe that I'm starting to learn that's of the utmost importance as well. Sorry, guys, I'm getting excited. I want to go on the floor. The other question that's equally as important is this. Am I more hungry for him today than I was yesterday? Am I more hungry for him than I was two years ago, 20 years ago? And and because I, I believe this. Because what happens is, is that we think stuff like this, like we're, we're a, one of the things that we do is that when, when we travel, and, and the rule is that you have to actually sleep in that state, not drive through that state, okay? But when we travel, we always go to the Starbucks and we buy the Starbucks coffee mug from that state. I have a bunch of them. 
and we could have a lot more if we would. There's like some, April's like, well, we went through that. I really want it. I'm like, no, it breaks the rule. But, <laughs> but we collect these things. And, and to be honest, I don't think about them. Like one cup I think about all the time because it's my favorite. But all the others, I don't think about it at all. I collect it, I got it, I move on, I'm ready to go to the next state and sleep so I can get my next coffee cup. A lot of us, and I'm not pointing any fingers, I'm just saying it's indicative of church people, is a lot of times we think, I prayed that prayer, I don't need to move on from there. But if you would, if you would, there's a life of intimacy and adventure waiting. If you would, there's transformation waiting. There's glory to glory. I mean, I look around the room. Look around the room and see what Jesus has done the last three and a half years. And so I know we're hungry for more of him. Like, I see it manifest. But I want to put that in front of us that we can't, just like the church in Ephesus, we cannot afford, like the church in Ephesus, which became lukewarm, which wasn't as hungry or on fire for him as they used to be. They, 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 we can't afford to be like that. We need to be the ones that just keep going after him all the days of our life. This is what, this is what, I'm telling you, I'm convinced of this, like, I, I'm, I'm convinced, I'm just going to say, I'm convinced that the day of like mega church stuff is over. Yeah. I think the Lord's used COVID to actually reorientate his church back in the family type environments and atmospheres. But I believe that this next move of God will be rooted around a bunch of people that just say, I'm going to keep going after him and I'm going to keep going after him because uh, the same value for God so loved the world, that value that he placed upon me, I actually now begin to reciprocate that same value. And that's that's First John 4, 19, because we love because he first loved us, right? And so I'm going to begin to respond back to him with wholehearted surrender and devotion. Yeah. So are you born again? I, you know, I, I want to believe everyone is here in a moment. We'll pray and you want to recommit your life? Recommit your life. If you're not committed, you need to get committed. And I'm not talking about legalism. Because it's easy to love. It's hard to love sometimes because there's a cost. But it's easy to love when you really see someone or something's value. Like It's easy to love you. It's easy to love my boy. It's easy to love her and I've never met her yet. Because there's value. Amen. All right. So we're going to pray. <laughs> I don't know how to wind this down. I actually think it's just perfect right now. But we're gathered around a person. Maybe the point is to show you we're gathered around a person. And to show you just what you're worth, what he did for you, what he accomplished for you. 
then it's more than an Easter story. It's actually life for us. So Jesus, I, I don't know what else to preach, so I'm just going to pray. I would pray first, Lord, that for those in the room that just need to recommit their life to you this morning, I would pray that they find you irresistible. I would pray, Lord, that they find you compelling. I, I would pray, Lord, for the type of... Huh, I would pray that you begin to show yourself in such a way, Lord, that, that when you pass by and you say, come and follow me, that those in this room and those that will eventually be in this room will look at you and say, I'm going to... I'm going to walk right on by with him. I'm going to go. When you invite us, Lord, I pray that we just say, it doesn't matter what inheritance we have to give up. It doesn't matter that this is a family heirloom type of business. or I don't, It doesn't matter if it's a generational type of thing. But we're just going to follow you, even if it does not make sense, Lord. I would also, huh, I would pray that we don't, and I don't feel that this was more of a warning for us. I feel this is more of a, a word for, 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 I'm just going to say, I feel like this is more of a word for the church. But I would pray that we recognize who we gather around. I, when I come into this room, when I come into this building, Lord, I, I know I'm going to see people that I, I know I'm going to see people that I love with all of my heart. And I'm excited to see them. And some some days I find myself really longing to just sit in a room and hang out. Can't for whatever reason. But I would pray, Lord, that it's not even about the people that we love so much. I would pray, Lord, that this thing's about that we get to do this with the people that we love gathering around the man, Christ Jesus. I don't take for granted that you're here. I don't take for granted that you're moving. I know a lot of places it's, it's Ichabod, the glory's departed. I know that, but I know that you're here. And so I don't take that for granted at all. But I pray we would keep making a big deal about you. I pray that even 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now when most of us have either moved on to different things or we've moved on to the other side with you, Lord, I would pray, Lord, that what's established in these early days continues to be the main thing, the main focal point, and that's the presence of the living God. Not a man or a woman preaching a message, not a worship team playing different songs but the presence of Christ Jesus huh. I feel this right now I, I would just pray Lord right now that those in the room and I'm not going to call anything out but those in the room right now Lord that are wrestling with lust or greed or pride or anger or or some sort of addiction, God, if it's porn, if it's, if it's running to the refrigerator, I, I, don't, I do know. But I'm just going to say, Lord, would you begin to make them free right now? Would you begin to conform them into your image, God? Would you place them on your potter's wheel and spin and spin and spin? And Lord, 
I pray, Lord, that you spin us. I pray that you put your right foot down on that pedal of that potter's wheel and you spin us faster than we're actually comfortable with and you begin to expedite the process, God. We don't want to waste any time here on the earth. We want to be made more like you so others can begin to be made like you, Lord. So I pray, Lord, I pray for fresh fire on this church. I pray for fresh devotion on this church unto you, God. I'm praying for... I'm praying for lovesickness in this church, God. I remember all those years ago, Lord, when I first met my own wife and and we started dating and we fell in love and we knew that we were going to get married, but we spent those months apart as, 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 as I was working and as she was working multiple jobs to save up money to move and to get married, Lord. And I remember, Lord, the pain that I felt of separation. I would pray, Lord, that we start to feel the pains of separation as well if we begin to drift, God. I would pray, Lord, just like you told your you told the, the religious spirit, Lord, you told them that that it's not appropriate to mourn for the bridegroom until he's gone, Lord. I, I would pray that we begin to mourn for you, Jesus, in this hour, Lord. You're looking for a lovesick bride, a love-struck bride, God. Not people that do it out of obligation or duty, but you're looking for a company of people that do it because they have no other choice. You're looking for a people to say, I, I, I realize there's other options on the table, but for me, there is no other option. Lord, I, I was almost, I'm almost, I wouldn't say embarrassed to share this message this morning, but I was, I questioned because I know this group of people. That's what's hard about pastoring is you get to know people. And I'll see them next week. But when I go preach an evangelist type meeting, I can say stuff like this and just walk out the door and leave. But I didn't share this this morning because I'm thinking about anyone in particular. I shared it this morning because I really feel the Lord wants us to be reminded of why we're doing what we're doing. Because we believe, I believe this, I'm just going to tell you, I believe the system's broke. I believe the system's broke. And I believe the Lord has given us and other places around this nation the opportunity to get it right. And there's going to be some that come out of this COVID season. A lot are still doing drive-by church and internet-only church. And like, praise the Lord, hallelujah for that. But I'm thankful we're meeting. But the Lord is raising up people that say, you know what? I'm not going to run back to the way it was before. You're giving us an opportunity to start afresh. You're giving us the opportunity to start afresh. You're giving us the opportunity to get this right. You're giving us the opportunity that 50 years from now, 
our great-grandchildren are not going to have to fight the same battles we have had to fight because we give up and quit, but they're actually going to be accomplishing more and things that we haven't ever even thought of because we took the time to set this foundation. I even just felt like this from the Lord. The thing about foundations is most of the time you can't even see the foundation because it's buried under the ground. Maybe the Lord's asking us to bury ourselves under the ground so that no one ever sees us. And, and we may not ever even be written about in history. Maybe you're not wrestle with that, but I sure have thought about it. But maybe we just got to bury ourselves under the ground so someone else can build on top of us. And that's actually what's seen. And so, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for this group of people. I would pray, God, you begin to increase our influence in this city, in this region. I would pray, Lord, we start to see more salvations. I, I know people's going to move in from around the country, God. I, they, they, you've proven that time and time again. But I would pray, God, we start to reach the down and outers and the least of these in this area, God. I would pray for those that feel like they don't fit in anywhere. Those don't feel like they could ever walk into a, 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 a church that's painted completely white. Everything white. Everything in its proper order and place. And, and the carpet is dented because the furniture is set in the same location for all those years. I would pray for those that don't feel comfortable walking into that place. Feel pulled and compelled by your provenient grace to walk into this room. And when they walk into this room, they not only find a family that automatically loves them, but they find a man that we're gathered around. And that man is Christ Jesus. <laughs> I pray they get radically set free. I pray, Lord, that the things they're bound by, that they get set free of. I pray they find their purpose and their, their purpose to give you glory. I pray that they find their unique callings. I pray they discover their unique giftings. I thank you, Jesus. I say what you do in this moment, just seal it right now, God. Just seal it. Some of us have started over, I don't know how many times, over the last six months, I'm going to do this. You don't know how many times I've tried dieting the last year. Start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Right, do really good and binge and gain it all back. I just hear the Lord in this moment saying some of you have tried to start I wouldn't say even trying to live a holy life, but some of you tried to pursue Jesus over and over and over the last year, even the last two years. And something happened and you got discouraged and your fire diminished. Today is the day that it no longer diminishes, but today is the day that it actually begins to increase. Today is the day of, of small beginnings. But today is the day of important beginnings as well. And so, Lord, we love you, we honor you, and we bless you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen.